welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I am joined with Oscar, Hakan and Demetrio to discuss what is a productive team. As usual, we're going to kick it off with a round of introductions. Demetrio, are you okay to go first? Sure. Hello. Uh, my name is Dmitro and I'm engineering manager at Klarna. I'm leading a cross-functional team in post-purchase group, uh, providing the best products ever. Uh, I'm focusing on um, developing my skills along the skills of my engineers and uh, supporting everyone in the team. Uh, my hobbies are traveling and driving the cars. The best point is to combine both. After you, Oscar. Yeah, um, Oscar Monandemai. I'm working at HelloFresh. Um, as an engineering manager, I'm trying to change the way people eat forever. Um, in my, my passions, are mostly around coaching um, at work and outside of work. So you can catch me at some um, craft beer place somewhere in Berlin, um, mentoring or coaching one of my friends around any career problems or career choices they've made. And on to you, Akan. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, my name is Håkan. I'm a manager IT at HED, who is the, one of Sweden's biggest gaming company. Uh, I manage a team about uh, 20 people, uh, but right now it's 37, and it's all in uh, some of the gaming uh, areas that we have. Uh, I'm very passionate about, uh, to be honest, I'm not. I'm passionate about my work, but I'm also passionate about uh, helping other people uh, and that also reflects my what I do in my spare time. I'm a volunteer in the Swedish search and rescue team. So I'm actually on call this week. Uh, from 6 o'clock this evening, I'm on a call. So I can uh, go out on the sea and help people that are in need. That, that was short introduction on me. Amazing. That's so interesting. Everyone's got a nice interesting facts about themselves there. Brilliant. Um, lovely. Well, what we'll do now is, as usual, everybody has prepared something that they would like to talk about within what what is a productive team. So we'll have a chance to go around the room. Everyone shared their ideas. What, what, can't speak, why that's important to them, as well as any other thoughts that the other guests here have. Hakan, are you okay to go first and introduce your question? Yeah. Yeah, uh, when I was talking to uh, Gemma, I was a little bit about what's the difference between a high-performance team and a high-productive uh, team. Uh, and my thought about this is that uh, a high-performance team sees a little bit more outside on what to do. They also take a bigger responsibility on what they're doing. Uh, everything from... Uh, uh, when the product owner starts to think about what to do until uh, you reflect what's happening in the production site. Uh, and the production team is a team that just makes tickets after tickets after tickets. Uh, doesn't really take, they take responsibility, but not as much as a high performance team. Sure, think about that, guys. Retail. Yeah, I mean, oh, sorry, Oscar, go for it. Sure. I was just going <laughs> to jump in. Um, yeah, I was going to agree a little bit on what I can I say. Um, as far as the question you posed of um, highly productive versus highly performant, uh, in that productive is kind of a subset of you know high performance and productivity is more of a single task completion, um, as you've put it. 
Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. For me, it's a bit different in general between individual and collective mindset for the productive and the performance, because productive could be a person. It could be managed by KPIs or anything connected to the measurable things. And performance is more about the team, the collective, the people around you and how you can organize work uh, together. And uh, the same time, it's how uh, the team pro- producing the results, not on the short term, but the long term. You can be very productive in the short run, like very fast, very good. But for the long term, it doesn't mean that you will be the same uh, great performance as well as the same productive on the long term. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I also see that the high performance team is a team that doesn't necessarily need to to speak. They know what to do and they know how to take up tickets. They know how to uh, what to look out for and stuff like that. They they know each other so well, uh, and they usually have some uh, different. Uh, it's a little strange to say roles, but they have some different roles in the teams. If you're a front and back end and stuff like that, but they usually can take each other tasks and help out also. Exactly. Uh, I would like to add that it's also part of the culture, culture inside of the team where it's like everyone respected, listened, and uh, can voice over any kind of problems and uh, have mutual understanding and respect. Yeah, exactly. Dimitro brought up the the culture aspect. Would you say then it's more of like autonomy that then separates kind of just plainly the productivity and more of the efficiency especially with Dimitri saying that it's more of the long-term game and not just like the short-term completion of, of work okay yeah um yeah i i think that's it's if you look at it in in the longer term yeah right it's also i was rooting down that uh, high performance is also autonomic team uh very autonomic team uh, in my world, as I said before, they uh, they don't they start early in the beginning, and also uh, what's important for me is that they also take responsibility of what's in production. They they check the alarms in production, they check uh, the performance of the applications in production, uh, as well as they are uh, on the like brainstorming ideas the product owner has. So, uh, and they also help other teams because. They are not just a, we're not just a single team. They usually have different teams, uh, so they think more of the uh, uh, collective than themselves. What's the best for the company? Not not also just what's best for my team. I I definitely agree, and uh, I would also add that both uh, high performance and high productivity 
are both essential for successful function for successful yeah. results it's not something that's going in the uh, parallel it's exactly the combined way how you preparing uh, everyone in the team to go for the success results as a as a manager, I mean, all three of you here are managers. Uh, your lead teams. Um, what do you do to kind of create that high performance, but also the high productivity? Yeah, I can go first there. Uh, I think that if you have a high performance team and also a high productive team, uh, you have to have trust in the teams. Uh, so not just it's not micromanagement. You're just uh, let the team because it takes a time for them to get high performance team and you have to like believe in the team and you also have to if you yeah we all are hiring managers and if you have to set up a team then you just have you cannot just have uh, super senior developers in the team you also have to have different flavors of the developers uh, juniors uh, mid senior seniors uh, all all of these uh, because if just have seniors then it's it, it's kind of hard to have that uh, so it's also good to for them to teach younger uh, stars what do you think oscar um yeah i'll say that's usually the hardest task um especially if you're building a team trying to kind of bridge from starting up to being in a not just the performance stage but being highly efficient. Um, there's a model developed by Bruce Tuckman, the forming, storming, norming, performing um, model. So you kind of have to go through all of those phases, right? So you might get to a point of productivity once you start norming or the team starts, you know, um, the culture is set, everyone kind of knows how to work together and expectations are clear. And then kind of the performance starts coming in a little bit later into that. Um, but certainly as um, how can I say it? It's more of like building the trust, um, trying to get the team to be more autonomous and more empowered to kind of transition through these stages until they're pretty much owners of um, a domain. Just following on from that, Oscar, before I come over to you, Dimitri, do you think that a team is highly productive before the high-performing team? Do you think it's like you do one and then become the other? I would say so, because again, with productivity, it's a measure of, did you, hypothetically speaking, did you finish X amount of tasks? Um, efficiency isn't necessarily measured in the same way. When you're talking about efficiency, it's, there's a lot more factors outside of just being able to complete a set bucketed amount of work or um, goals. So I would I would say that yeah, you have to be productive over a longer period of time. As Dimitra said, consistency in productivity, I think is what you could measure as more of the efficiency or the high performing um, sort of things. Really interesting. Demetrio. Yeah, while I totally agree with Hagen and Oscar regarding the building the trust and the especially also connect people around your empathy as a leader and provide great leadership, I would like to mention that um, high productivity uh, along the individual contributors can lead to the burnout. And it's a very important question that uh, not everyone in your team will be high uh, productive developers. And it's okay. It's not possible the same as you can have only seniors in your team. You can have only high productive persons in your team. Otherwise, it would be not possible to 
provide the results because you will stuck in the conflicts and the different uh, problems and uh, most likely you will even not have enough tasks and uh, things to do for such uh, high productivity. Uh, I would like to uh, add that uh, high performance team for sure engaged, motivated and align it on the mission. It's the most important. Yeah, I agree. If they're not motivated, then it's uh, it's hard for them. And also have to have a uh, a product they they really really love to work with. Uh, and also have to. I think you have to leave them. Uh, if you start a high performance team today, you want a high performance team today. Uh, it will take some times, but you have to leave the team uh, as is and not change persons inside the team. They have to really fo uh, form themselves into this high performance team with help of the managers to like make it easier than for them to develop uh, and so on exactly i really love it and uh, the point is very important because sometimes uh, focus on the high productive uh, team and the high productivity can uh, mislead and mislead the focus on uh, task uh, com complaintion so mostly like how many tasks did you done? And not exactly like, is it closing business aspect? Yeah, I could also just add that, um, I mean, there's a concept of focus factor, um, kind of in agile. I'm not, it's not very popular, um, but it's more of how much uninterrupted time can an individual get. So coming back to what Dimitra said about, you know, the burnout of high, you know, highly productive people, it's, they kind of have an itch to complete stuff, to get things done. They kind of have this kind of uh, satisfaction from just completing and moving things forward. But however, when the focus factor is very low, so the amount of time they actually have to be productive, they're stuck in meetings, they're stuck, you know, doing other things that have nothing to do with the things that give them satisfaction. Um, then they tend to spend more time outside of allocated daily time um, at work to kind of try and catch up and maintain kind of this high throughput um, type of work. So that focus factor is also something that, you know, if you pay attention to a little bit when you're managing a team, you could definitely kind of manage kind of this burnout within highly productive individuals as well. Gamma, you muted. How embarrassing. Um, as I was saying, it was really interesting to kind of see that burnout aspect that comes with productivity. Is that an experience that anyone has had to go through themselves or as a leader? What Or do you have a plan that's in place to prevent that onto your teams? It's open to the floor. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been through burnout as an individual contributor, also as a manager, um, because sometimes as a manager, you kind of try to shoulder some of these extra distractions. So by trying to save your team from burnout, you tend to also get burnt, burnt out yourself. Um, so some of the, the things that have helped at least is kind of acknowledging that you can only do one thing at a time. Um, you know, it's, it's seen as more of a very religious stance to kind of say, do one thing at a time because it's not really practical. Uh, but it's something that you kind of have to try to remind yourself that you can't do everything all at once. Um, you know, kind of trying to live with doing 85% of the work going with that instead of trying to be a perfectionist, which do you know, because I'm a perfectionist. 
Um, so try to you know run away from some of these vices that you end up putting upon yourself that are not necessarily kind of forced onto you. Um, or sometimes helps to kind of you know manage the team and yourself out of burnout. Yeah, it's. Uh... I haven't had an experience of myself uh, so burnout, but I have seen people that have it, and it's it's you, you need to just uh, take take a small step at a time. Uh, as Oscar said, you don't have to do, uh, yeah, just small steps at a time. I think it's best, and also think about uh, like work life balance. Work is not everything. Work it's works a lot, but you also have like what's outside work, uh, and that could uh, that could calm people down, and also be high performance uh, if they know that okay i'm not uh, i'm not required like uh, 12 hours per day at work it's like it's it's enough to do like seven and a half hour uh, and also that's something that we had experienced uh, during the corona time that people worked too much uh, when we, everybody went home it was much just easier to skip lunch and just to work and we like uh, as managers just take breaks take breaks uh, everything like that so really interesting and demetrio i'm agree with boz and uh, i would like to focus on something that we started with it's trust and uh, empathy because uh, most likely you will feel the uh, needs of your teammates regarding uh, what they uh, miss or what they would like to add, what they like to reduce, both of them. And uh, based on this, based on this trust connection between you and your team, you can adjust uh, productivity and performance to the proper way. Exactly as uh, focus uh, on the business goals, not on the finished tasks. And at the same time, not to over time, just because you have this free time to work, better to educate yourself. Definitely, I think we're all on kind of similar a similar track with that, which is really good and really interesting. It's good that you guys have those plans in place to help your team stay productive and stay high performance without going over that little cliff. Um, Hakan, before we move on to Oscar's questions, do you have any other questions, follow-ups? No, it was a. I think we had a good, uh, good talk here about the question. Amazing! No, definitely, I really enjoyed that. So, Oscar, over to yourself. Would you like to introduce your question to us? Right. So, I wanted to talk a bit about you know um, waste reduction in engineering value streams. Um, what are our engineering teams doing um, that kind of take a lot of their time? Um, the things that is, are not in their control, part of the process, you know, within your um, your daily flows that kind of take away a lot of their time that could be spent on, you know, actually focusing on delivering um, or any value-adding activities. Um, so simple examples are, you know, like need time to change in Adora metrics. Um, if 90% of the time is spent waiting for a pull request to be reviewed, chances are they spend most of the time picking up another task. So now you get into all of those different topics of context switching um, and then by the end of the week, you've got an engineer working on seven different things at once. So, which means you're moving all seven things at a crawling speed um, forward. So, this is one of the things that I pay particular attention to. Um, in that, well, I will not try to, you know, increase the performance or productivity of my team, or at least try to 
reduce some of the waste that I see in the value streams um, on a day-to-day. Um, I don't know what the sort of you think about kind of that approach to thinking of productivity. Uh, I, I can go first. It's a it's a very interesting question, and uh, if we have a solution to this question, I think we like uh, well the team will be high performance team, uh, but yeah, it, it's hard also to to measure uh, all these uh, n- non productive time. I think. Uh, because as you say, Oscar, uh, if a developers wait for a pull request and it takes like two, three hours, then you start a new one. So, uh, and also if the team is away on on me, some of the team is away on meeting and you do pull request and it like everything s- s- piles up. Um, uh, uh, what I say to my team is that uh, you don't have to go to every meeting that you're invited to. Uh, if, for example, uh, uh, it's invited to three people, send one and the they will respond back on what happened to that meeting. Uh, if it's not like a mandatory team meeting, if it's just some listening stuff. Uh, otherwise, I, I don't have a solution for that. Perhaps Mitra had a solution for this one. I don't think that there is a solution for it. And for me in general, this, um, uh, this concept coming from the Lean methodology. If I'm not mistaken, so basically it's uh, minimize the waste in order to provide the best value for the customer. But problem is who is the customer in uh, our case? I would say that for us as the managers, our customers is, is our team. If not, they can stakeholders, but uh, the main one is the team because we provide uh, services to the team. We leading, we managing, we providing help providing support. In this, um, of course, uh, minimizing waste, we need to clarify what is the waste. If we take in regarding waiting time for approvals, for creating tickets, for adding descriptions, of course, it's uh, providing value positive. If we take in another side, for example, um, unnecessary overproduction tasks that helping to clean technical debt. In this sense, for the business, it's not providing any value. It's only taking money and time because most likely business will not see any changes, at least at the moment of implementation. But for the team, you're exactly not, uh, uh, you're exactly providing the value for the team. So it's a bit comprehensive between uh, various the value and uh, to whom you provide this value. Uh, exactly. Um, so I kind of always argue that it goes between that balance of efficiency and productivity, right? So if you're always just doing stuff, you're productive. Um, but over long term, that measure of productiveness kind of falls away um, because you don't necessarily deliver on the longer term things. You kind of deliver in as you're going, you're completing tasks, as you say, you over engineer certain things. You pay all of the technical debt that you have, um, but over time that doesn't necessarily pay off or equate to you know completing your KPIs or KPI at the end of the year, et cetera, et cetera. So this is kind of that, that focus of um, it's very hard to to then decide who is a customer and where exactly are you wasting time if you are you know paying off technical debt? Is it a evaluating activity or is it not? So it comes down to kind of finding the balance of 
what is enough and you know not then kind of getting stuck in a endless loop of continuously refactoring every single thing that you kind of touch of course of course definitely and i would like to add that it's a huge difference between the teams uh, i mean uh, product uh, teams for product companies and uh, outsource and own staffing teams because it's different needs for outsourcing it's the most important to provide the value to the customer like and person and company that paying money for exactly the code that delivered the functionality and then it's very important to reduce any additional waste any over complication any overproduction because it's agreement but uh, if it's a product company it's more important to look for the long term and even such waste time for overproduction overcheck or something for now it looks like uh, useless spend of time but in the long term it can save tons of money, especially if taking my security or tests, because sometimes uh, a lot of people think that that is waste <laughs> in terms of uh, time. So uh, it's a very interesting question. Thanks for bringing that. Yeah, I really thought about what you thought about technical depth, uh, and I mean. If you don't take care of the technical depth in the team, uh, because it's it's that makes money, because that's what's in production. Uh, so you need to take care of that. And if you have a great product owner or the uh, people that uh, order to you, uh, they understand that they need to take care of this technical depth to, to actually move uh, the new task forward, uh, as we speak. I'm not sure that makes any sense, but it, it makes sense in my head. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely does. Um, because again, it's it, yeah, this is where I'm always trying to draw the line, right? So with Temco, they, they say that every piece of code that you push into production is automatically Temco data at that point. And kind of how do you balance out risk reduction in the future for the product that you're building and kind of being, you know, having enough time to just do as many of the reflectors or, you know, uh, rewriting as much of the code as you can. Um, so the difference between interesting activities for engineering versus kind of value adding um, activities. So I think that's a very good point that you brought up. Amazing, lovely. Any kind of like follow-ons from the Oscar? Um, yep, yeah, I think we've had a round of conversation on this and I've got a few things to take, um, take on as well. Amazing, lovely. That's really good. That was a uh, you all gotten a good feel there, which was really nice, nice to listen to. Uh, amazing. And then finally, over to our last question of the podcast, Demetrio. Thanks. Um, I'm bringing this one. While building a productive and uh, very high performance team, would you prioritize raw talent and potential, or experience and wisdom first? Uh, of course, it's not yes or no, uh, very comprehensive and uh, should be great balance, but we would love to hear your thoughts. I, I can go first there. Uh, experience and wisdom, that sounds a little bit, uh, it sounds good for me uh, to, ha to have a team with lots of experience and also lots of wisdom because they usually just when you have experience you just move along move along take one ticket next ticket next ticket but if you also think about uh, the wisdom also it's like when you do the retro it's like a, a wisdom 
what have we done, what have we done wrong, what could we do better to the next time, and also reflects on what you're doing. Uh, that's that's I think it's important to do that. Yeah, um, I think I have a bias towards experience and wisdom too. Uh, not to say that I wouldn't build a productive team with uh, raw talent and potential, um, but you do sometimes get into the pitfall of um, too many people with wisdom in a room turn it into an endless philosophical debate on who knows more and who has the uh, the most depth of knowledge. Um, so you do kind of get to some of those rough areas um, where, but at least as a manager, you kind of get to be an intermediary and kind of move things along. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll try to go for a balance of those, but certainly um, leaning more towards um, experience as well. Uh, me personally, I would go with Rota. Um, and uh, potential people. I can describe why. For me, um, if you're already a leader, then you have some experience, you can teach, you can learn, you can mentor, then it's providing a better opportunity for you to work together with such raw talents and potential persons because uh, it's a fresh uh, perspective and creative solutions. So most likely you will see the problems from another perspective. And uh, it's cool. Uh, most likely you can um, adapt yourself and support uh, such people to challenges and uh, provide guidelines, but at the same time get uh, unexpected solutions. Of course, the best option when you can balance. And uh, most seasoned engineers will uh, learn, um, support, mentor, uh, more talented, and uh, maybe some... Uh, unexpected uh, design thinking persons. Uh, but also, of course, it's regarding the balance, every time is uh, very hard. Um, and the, sometimes it's also considered on the organizational culture. Uh, I'm really interested regarding uh, both your companies. Uh, don't know how it works inside, but maybe you can share. Uh, how your companies looks uh, into involving some unexpected and extraordinary uh, solutions for the problems, or your company is more conservative in this? Yeah, I can go. Uh, I think we're not uh, conservative because we are. Uh, we are really taking in uh, like lots of uh, young people uh, to teach them. Uh, and it's very interesting. Just a couple of weeks ago, I took in uh, a person that's doing. Uh, she's still in school, but uh, she's doing some internship on our, on our side. Uh, and the first question was: uh, She's a frontender. It was like, why are you using this and not that? And the senior developer was a little bit like, Yeah, we haven't really thought about that. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's good to have this, uh, as I said before, good to have this balance between people. Uh, I think all the people around uh, you need to have. Not just, a, not, not as I said before, not just the senior people. You have to have like a broad one and also you have to have like a, a, teaching, a teaching team that could teach each other. Yeah, I'll kind of uh, echo what Hakan is saying there. So... I always see as having kind of um, the more senior folk for, or the more senior engineers more being kind of grounding the team and 
helping rescuing the team whenever the team is getting stuck and kind of having that experience to be a bit more pragmatic with solutions when you know time doesn't allow budget doesn't allow and having that you know diversity of thought with people that have more potential like the raw talent um, this is where a lot of things are challenged um, they're not afraid to ask they're very curious so having that balance um, where it doesn't necessarily always lean on the manager who ends up being you know not as available as they'd like to be will kind of help to create a bit of a a very well-balanced team that thinks outside of the box and kind of challenges the norm. Um, and at least in our organization, that is often the case where we have an emphasis on evening out the teams and making sure that we don't have a team of all-stars or a team of juniors alone. And kind of to make sure that we, you know, balance out the talent, to balance out the knowledge sharing and pre- create a bit of a knowledge economy in the organization. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And the, uh... I think that it's exactly how the diversity inside of the team uh, boosts this because like uh, just talent doesn't guarantee the results, uh, just experience also doesn't guarantee high productivity. Uh, it's very connected and uh, uh, the diversity exactly, I, I think this is the thing that really boosts productivity and uh, performance and uh, learning from each other how we can operate and uh, it's providing really unexpected solutions. Like how can uh, provide a really, really great example. It's, it's also interesting when, when we talk about diversity, we think about, usually when we think about diversity, it's like senior, junior developers. Uh, I think also about uh, women, men, uh, different cultures, they all come in with different aspects on everything. And, and that could also build this high performance team because uh, you have different angles depending on where you're from or uh, if you're a male or female. So it's also have to, good to have these te- uh, combination in the team. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's boosting uh, productivity also different ages because different ages providing different perspectives, different angles on the uh, situation, problems and technologies. And it's uh, very interesting how it's connected. Yeah, and I mean, something that we're not explicitly saying, but more of um, having a team that is, you know, very single-minded, works like a, you know, like a hive of bees, um, you tend to never get to that, you know, efficiency or the high-performing stage because you kind of always work in the same way. Different problems get thrown at you. You just use the same exact tactics to kind of tackle them. So it's very possible that teams that are very, you know, the same, very similar, uh, might not actually reach that level of, you know, efficiency that you want to get or you would get from a diverse um, team itself. Exactly. And like infuse uh, the team with new ideas. It's for sure. Yeah. And it's like also that if you have had a high performance team that have been a high performance team for, say, one and a half year, uh, then they start to slow down a little bit. Then you need to like put in a flare there and just uh, make them, okay, what are we doing? And stop and, and become this high-performance team again. So you need to do some twist and change or something like that. That's really interesting. We've dealt on some really good points there, and I'm sure our listeners are going to really, really enjoy this listening, getting all this advice. Um, Demetria, do you have any follow-ons following your question? No, thank you. 
No? Amazing. Well, lovely. We do have a little bit of spare time left. So I have um, used our lovely AI tool to see what kind of questions it would produce for this podcast. And there have been quite a few interesting ones, actually. So I'm, if it's okay with you guys, I want to do some quick fire round questions to finish it off. Um, so the first one, and I will, oh, uh, yeah, I'll just say it. And then whoever wants to answer, feel free to jump in. Um, is there a relationship between team engagement and productivity? Yeah, I would argue yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is what we kind of uh, talked about that if you understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, um, there's a lot less of being stuck and a lot less of not understanding, waiting for instructions and kind of having bottlenecks. So I, I do think that if you can get your team engaged with your mission, definitely get a lot of uh, there's a very high correlation there yeah i think oscar said it it was a good answer so (laughs) amazing lovely okay so on to a next question what advice would you give individuals looking to join or lead a productive team at their organization i can take the one Uh, don't be afraid to to challenge the structure uh, of, of what the team looks like. Uh, a high-performance, high-productive team doesn't really mean, as we talked about, to have super senior developer. You need to have like the diver- diversity in the team. It takes a little bit. It takes a uh, longer, but they're getting stronger, stronger by day by day. So uh, don't be afraid to use diversity. Any any other thoughts on that one? Perfect, lovely. And then I'll ask one more then. Um, and I'm going to come over to you, Dimitrio, for this one, while Oscar and Hakan have given great examples for the last two. What advice would you give somebody looking to transform an unproductive team to a highly productive team? Uh, very short. Trust your teammates. Uh, build empathy relationship. Engage, motivate, and trust. Perfect. And then one more, I'm going to change it, one more for all of you. And I'd like, you know, one closing statement from you all before we finish this podcast. What are your predictions for the future of team productivity? How do you think the nature of teamwork will evolve in the next coming years? This AI tool has got a great finishing question there, I think. Yeah, I I would say that... uh, uh, to, to build this kind of team, you don't have to be too big. Uh, you have to be like uh, five to seven people as tops. Uh, and also what we said, like trust, uh, uh, diversity, uh, and everything around that. Amazing. Oscar? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that AI tool is trying to self-promote, um, in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with, with Hakan. I'm just thinking about it very quickly. Um, I do think like the future of productivity is, you know, significantly smaller teams um, in the same way that IDEs change the way engineers write code with assistance, with, you know, building, tooling functions and everything. Um, AI is going to be the next stage of that where you kind of, it's a tool that reduces kind of the additional work and effort that is put into a lot of things. Um, and I think that's what's going to change, where you will need less than, you know, the average team size, 10, 8, and you can do the same amount of work with significantly less. 
Amazing. And then last but by no means least, Demetrio. Uh, while I agree with uh, Hagen and Oscar as well, I would like to add that uh, um, the same 100 years ago, uh, we got uh, machines. So we started to work less, but started to be more productive. I suppose it will be exactly with the AI tools. We will be more productive, less work, and we have more diversity because we will have diversity with AI as well. Amazing. Lovely. I think that's a great place to end this podcast. Um, thank you guys for joining. It's been amazing to hear your thoughts and I've definitely learned some new facts and I'm sure everyone listening has too. I hope you guys have all taken something from the podcast as well. Um, so yeah, thank you again to Hakan, Oscar, Dimitrio. If you have any follow-up questions to the people listening, feel free to have a look on our LinkedIn. I'm sure you'll be able to find these guys' profiles where you can reach out or reach out to myself and I can introduce you. But no, it's been a wonderful episode. So thank you so much.